may I ask a question? I've heard that there are many different methods of attaining to the paths and fruits of Nibbana. I would like to ask, is there any method that's easy and direct and that's simple to practice? This is a big problem for Dhamma practitioners because we learn and study from Dhamma literature. This teacher teaches this way, that teacher teaches that other way. There are many schools of practice. In Thailand, they teach this way. In Burma or Sri Lanka, they may teach a different method. For the new Dhamma practitioner who reads the suttas and uses them to practice, they may become even more confused. When I stayed with Venerable Ajahn Chah, he told us to put down all our thoughts and views first and to listen to the teachings of the Ajahn or the teacher and use them to practice. He taught the fundamentals of the practice in a simple way. To the monks, he taught us to have sense restraint and carefulness in our actions. We call this Indriya Sangwara Sila. There are many rules in the monk's Sila, but it all comes down to one thing, that is, our intention, that we should be determined to keep the rules and to practice by them. And we need to put forth effort and perseverance and to have mindfulness. The more mindfulness we have, the better. Whenever we have mindfulness, we come close to the Buddha in that moment. Here, we learn and we watch the feelings of our mind. When our mind receives sense contact, it has attraction and liking, or aversion and disliking. It's swayed constantly. Ajahn Chah taught us in a simple way, just to keep watch over the mind, watch our feelings and all that arise. For example, we see this thing and we like it a lot. The mind becomes deluded. If we don't like something, the mind again becomes deluded. So happiness and suffering, the mind becomes deluded in that. He taught for us to have mindfulness. If we have a lot of liking, teach the mind that this feeling is not sure, not certain, it's not permanent. If we have a lot of pain and suffering, this is not sure, not certain, it's not permanent. No matter how much mental suffering we have, we can set a stopwatch and see how long this feeling lasts for. Will this suffering last forever? Here, Venerable Ajahn Chah taught us to easily understand. He gave an example of Venerable Ajahn Tongrat, who together with Venerable Ajahn Ginari were Ajahn Chah's teachers and also one of the first senior disciples of Venerable Ajahn Man, the founder of the Thai forest tradition. Venerable Ajahn Chah said that Venerable Ajahn Tongrat taught in a very simple way. An old man came to ordain with Ajahn Tongrat and Ajahn Tongrat told him to go see that small tree stump. The bark had fallen off and it was just remaining a stump sticking out of the ground. Ajahn Tongrat told that elderly monk to go train his mind just like that tree stump. The elderly monk contemplated how to train the mind like that tree stump. He sat meditation and did walking meditation and gained the realization that, oh, that tree stump 
it doesn't have liking or disliking. Whoever does anything to it, whether someone waters it or sweeps the leaves around it, it doesn't have liking or disliking. It is indifferent. Just like that. Ajahn Tongrat taught to train our mind to be like that. And he understood. Ajahn Chah taught his disciples that training our mind not to have liking and disliking, here is the path that one will see the Dhamma. This follows the Buddha's teaching that whatever quality is present, you clearly see right there, right there, not taken in, unshaken. That's how you develop the mind. In summary, we can say that it is not liking, not disliking, staying in the middle. When in the middle here, you will understand the nature of the mind that arises, stays and passes away. It arises, stays and passes away constantly. Simple. It all comes together that he taught us to let go. Let go. When we have liking, it's not sure, it's not permanent. Let go, don't attach to it. When we have disliking, don't attach and cling to it. This letting go in the middle, this is the path to seeing the Dhamma. These teachings are close to the Zen teachings, like the Zen way. Ajahn Chah was known to be the Zen master of the northeast of Thailand. Ajahn Buddhadasa was the Zen master of the south of Thailand. Ajahn Chah's teachings were close to the teachings of a Zen master. But these Zen teachings aren't easy as they may seem. Ajahn Chah said that he had read a Zen book and said that the Zen teachings are in the field of an advanced Dhamma practitioner. If we read in the Zen books, it's simple to reach enlightenment. But Ajahn Chah said that contemplating it and realizing the Dhamma this way was in the field of an advanced Dhamma practitioner. But if we want to know the Dhamma, we can practice this way, but we need to understand that we need to have the quality of samadhi or concentration as well. We need to have sufficient mindfulness to be able to contemplate the mental objects that enter our mind. We are constantly experiencing the world through our senses, like our eyes. But this is like the headlights of a car, which simply have the duty to shine light onto the road. But the one who sees is the driver of that car. The eye has a duty to receive exterior forms. The ear receives sounds. All the sense organs, the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body and mind, receive their respective sense objects and this is sent to the mind. After the mind receives this sense contact, it gets deluded. It has ignorance, craving and attachment. The conventional reality, or what we suppose to be real, arises, and there is proliferation of the mind. The mind that moves is already deluded. We need to have mindfulness to know this in time as it happens. If mindfulness is sufficiently present, the mind grows gradually more and more peaceful. This gradual peacefulness will develop into wisdom. Firm samadhi will lead to the arising of wisdom. 
the faculties of mindfulness or recollection and clear comprehension arises. Samadhi is firm. Wisdom that knows comprehensively arises. This is simple. So all the different methods or teachings from different schools or different countries or in Thailand, the many different ways of practice, it all comes together in having mindfulness. It is in the Satipatthana Sutta, the four foundations of mindfulness. Have mindfulness to know the body and mind. If we are doing walking meditation, we are developing mindfulness in the present. If we are sitting, we have knowing in the present. If we are standing, then we know that we are standing in the present moment. If we have used the postures of standing, walking and sitting sufficiently, then we lie down with mindfulness. And when we awake, then we continue on with our effort in the practice. But we need to see that in the span of one day, if we let all our mindfulness go, and then in the evening we sit meditation, it will be difficult to restrain and control the mind, because we will then think and proliferate about the work from the past, and we will also think about the work we have to do in the future. So the mind is in a mess, and not in the present moment. We need to have a sufficient amount of time to train the mind. Try to put the work that has been done down. The future tomorrow, put that down first. Now is the time to do our Dhamma practice, to do our sitting and walking meditation. Stay in the present moment. Here it's very simple, just this much, and doesn't require much at all. When we have happiness, say it's not sure, it's not permanent. Suffering will arise later on. When we have suffering, then again say, it's not sure and it's not permanent. We watch both sides. Actually, we can compare it to something in nature, like a bird that has happiness in its family of birds. And then there arises forces of nature, such as heavy rain, strong winds, and then the birds get separated and there is suffering arising. And later on, the family of birds come together again and they regain that happiness. We can contemplate it all as Dhamma. Even if we are one as a family, or we have parting and separation in one's family, these are natural. Those that are left gather together. This is the law of Anichang, Dukang, Anatta, or impermanence, suffering, and not self. There is happiness, there is suffering. If we know these conditions for what they really are, then our mind will be beyond happiness and be beyond suffering, be beyond the world and beyond conventional reality. The mind that is beyond conventional reality, that is the mind that is liberated. So all that is proliferation is in the realm of conventional reality. So the simple teaching is to have mindfulness to know these conditions as they arise. Venerable Ajahn Tongrat, he was a senior monk that taught in a Zen way. A simple example, there was once an elderly lady who he would teach to practice generosity. He stood nearby on arms and as the lady was boiling rice, Ajahn Tongrat said, quickly boil the rice, do it quickly. And he stood there waiting for the rice to be boiled, 
so she could give the rice to him. And one monk complained that it was like he was asking for the food and it wasn't appropriate. Ajahn Tongrat said he didn't eat the rice, he didn't eat it. He was there solely to teach her about practicing generosity. And he was a very important senior monk. The way he conducted himself, he was always with the Dhamma. Once he was walking arms with Venerable Ajahn Man and some monks, and there was one cow who looked as if he was going to hurt Venerable Ajahn Man. The monk directly behind Ajahn Man didn't do anything because he respected Ajahn Man. But Ajahn Tongrat, further down the line, also respected and had great affection for Ajahn Man. So he was worried that Ajahn Man would be hurt, and so he ran out in front of Ajahn Man, kicked the cow away. He kicked the cow. Oh, the cow is about to harm his father. It was going to harm his father, so he kicked it. It was going to harm his Kubajan, his great teacher, so he kicked it away. There was no time to ask respectfully for permission to go ahead, but his mind held on to nothing. This was the actions of a teacher who taught in a Zen manner. Even when Venerable Ajahn Chah went to go for the first time to pay respects to Venerable Ajahn Tongrat, Ajahn Tongrat immediately called his real name out. Venerable Chah, you've arrived, have you? He knew where he came from and who he was. Just meeting for the first time and he already called out his name without knowing it prior. And Ajahn Chah would become a disciple of Ajahn Tongrat. Just the first time and already he called him out. Venerable Chah, you've arrived, have you? Our faith in Ajahn Chah is full, right? He studied with Ajahn Tongrat till he could attain to success in the practice. Ajahn Tongrat, four years he could attain to becoming an arahant. Ajahn Tongrat took four years. He was wholehearted in his Dhamma practice. He stayed with Venerable Ajahn Man, and when Ajahn Man taught him to eat little and sleep little, Ajahn Tongrat then fasted without eating for 15 days. He got really skinny. There was no evening drinks at all those days. And when it came around to the Uposita day, where the monks gathered together, when Ajahn Tongrat took off his outer robe, one monk went to Ajahn Man and said, Ajahn Tongrat is going to die already. He's so skinny. Ajahn Man acknowledged it and signaled him to practice the appropriate amount. Ajahn Tongrat knew already though. Ajahn Man taught and Ajahn Tongrat would follow those teachings. His mind was extremely single-minded, so focused, and later he would teach like a Zen master. In his biography, there's one story, a monk who went for arms and usually just got sticky rice, but that day the monk got one egg and wanted to eat it. Usually the monks would gather all the food together and take food in terms of seniority. But this monk wanted to really eat the egg, so he clumped the sticky rice around the egg to hide it for himself. Ajahn Tongrat shouted out to everyone, pointing to the monk, Oh, what's up with this monk? Sticky rice can lay eggs. So they opened the sticky rice clump and found that egg. Ajahn Tongrat would punish one's gilases or the mental defilements to that extent. There were many stories that Ajahn Chah told of Ajahn Tongrat. Another story is once around the mealtime, where usually monks would eat out of the bowl, 
gathering all the food together. And there was one monk who didn't want to gather the sticky rice into the wet curry or liquids. So he stuck the rice to the side of his bowl above the curry and was waiting for the blessing to be given so that he could eat the food separately. Ajahn Tongrat just sat there silently not giving the blessing until the rice fell into the liquid. Dum. Then Ajahn Tongrat began the blessing. Yatta wari waha. He let it slide into the wet curry first. He would torture the mental defilements first. He taught them to be in the present moment. He taught like a Zen master. And this was the teacher to our Venerable Ajahn Chah, who taught similarly to develop mindfulness and wisdom in a Zen-like manner. Here it's simple to understand the teachings. This Dhamma practice doesn't need to be difficult and confusing. We may have doubts and confusion about many of the technical aspects like Rupa, Vedana, Sanya, Sankara, Vinyana, Nama, Rupa. There's so many things. Just have the knowing to watch the mind. Watch the mind. See how the state of the mind is. What is it thinking? What is it feeling? And let go. And see the body that is of the nature to decay. Here we do this every day. It's not ours. Let the mind be above the world and above mind objects. Practice this way until the mind understands clearly, until it sees all things as emptiness. This is seeing the Dhamma already. We see the Dhamma little by little until the clear insight into the Dhamma arises. It's easy to practice this way. Whether you're a new monk or old monk, practice doesn't need to be difficult. There doesn't need to be many things. I myself used to be this way. I had so many thoughts till it was so confusing. How to practice? Which was the way to the paths and fruits of Nibbana? Then that day, Venerable Ajahn Chah taught us to train the mind to not be caught into liking or disliking. Right there is the sure path. So I understood the fundamental of the practice. So then when we practice sitting and walking meditation, it's easy. When someone criticizes us, don't let the mind go to aversion or disliking. When someone praises us, the mind gets caught into liking. We like it when people praise us. So when someone praises us, we have to establish our mindfulness well. Don't get deluded. Don't get deluded. There was once someone who praised Ajahn Chah. Ajahn Chah, you have such radiant features. He answered, it's blood, it's just blood. He didn't go along with that mood. When they praised him, he said, it's just blood, just blood. He didn't have liking. Doing it like this, this is a simple way. He taught us to contemplate the Dhamma in this way. So may you have effort to practice in this way. Do you understand now? During this period of your temporary ordination, If you have any questions, you can come to ask me later.